you even find this place? I thought that you would like it. I'm milling about with Eli Hurwitz. He's the co-writer and director of Gone in the Night. Hi. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. So tell me about this cabin. I love it. <laughs> well, that is, yeah, it's up in the Redwoods in Northern California, a little town called Casadero. There's actually a mobile home inside there that a whole cabin has kind of grown up around. I bought it about 10 years ago, fixed it up with friends. And then when I was starting to make this movie, even before I had an idea, I just thought, um, you know, we, it was a low budget movie, an indie movie. We wanted to kind of get the most bang for our buck. So I thought this would be a great way to start it, both from a practical perspective and also from a imaginative perspective. You know, you can really sit in a room and think like, what could go wrong here? Where could someone run to there? and, you know, let things flow. You know, you have something in common with Harrison Ford because you started out as an apprentice carpenter. I think he was better than me. I wasn't very good, but uh, he's also a lot more handsome than me. But yes, we have many, many things in common, I'm sure. Did you start this cabin literally from the ground up? You built no, no, it was this mobile home that was there since the 50s. That little things had been added on to bit by bit. And then I added no more space, but just prettied it up. But there's still like wheels underneath it. And you lived in it as well. Yeah. I could, yeah. Half the sort of half the time. And I would rent it out half the time, which sort of also became the sort of origin story of the idea, the germ of the idea. What if I accidentally booked two people at once, which is something I'm very capable of. Did you ever? Airbnb won't even allow you. It's not possible. The only reason I didn't is because it's not possible. So Eli, tell me sort of how that germinated into the story, that original idea. Well, yeah, for me, it's always kind of one step, you know, one foot in front of the next and then letting that grow into something that you can never have imagined if you started from the get-go and tried to think, I'm making this kind. I just wanted to make a movie that played with genre that sort of defied expectations when you thought you knew what kind of movie it was, it veered away. So something that started with kind of a classic horror or genre premise, but then didn't play by those rules exactly. So there's that. And then there was also just like, you know, I'm 44 years old and I'm about to turn 45, sort of this age where you can, you're a baby. I know you always, every, it always, you know, when I was 30, I thought I was old. And now that seems like a baby, right? I'm sure I'll think this is a baby, but it just, you know, everyone's at some different place where people kind of older than you are a little bit mysterious, intimidating people younger than you are kind of mysterious and intimidating. And I wanted to kind of harness that mystery and terror and sort of funnel it into a thriller plot. You know, what's interesting is that, of course, you did The Homecoming, and that sort of had this, like, wellness, sort of, like, mortality kind of theme. So does that sort of run through your projects, would you say? I guess so. I mean, it's, you know, none of these things are intentional, but I guess I can see that's a good connection. You know, I think that stuff is both so, you know, it obviously has this kind of eternal dramatic power, mortality and all these questions, but it's also kind of so funny to me too, all the things we'll do to convince ourselves that we're not going to die, you know, and it's been people been doing for thousands of years. It's never worked, but people still think they figure it out, you know, and there's something kind of funny about it to me. And of course you live in a place where that exists all the time, where everybody's so worried about their looks. You know, I'm in Northern California, so it's less like the Hollywood polish and more like people thinking they can hack it somehow, you know, like, oh, I figured out aging doesn't have to apply to me, you know, because I came up with a technological or scientific reason, you know, uh, which is its own kind of vanity, of course. 
Yeah, we don't want to give too much away and spoil right. the movie for everybody, <laughs> but that is part of this uh, thriller aspect. I mean, in a way, the whole movie is about yeah, each person's relationship with their own mortality. Not to make it sound too dry, but yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your great cast, first of all. Winona Ryder Horowitz, no relation, yeah? No relation, none at all. It was a lucky coincidence. Yeah. Did you like talk about this? We talked briefly about it. I mean, that was in my, you know, I didn't have any connects to her, but I just wrote her a note asking her to be in it. And that was definitely mentioned. Also, she grew up right in this area, very close. We filmed in some places in Petaluma that she hung out as a teenager. So that was also helpful. But yeah, it was so exciting to get her on board. And then once I had her, you know, other people were excited to come on board. So Dermot Mulroney was great. And then I also wanted the cast to be spread through these decades, kind of. So we had Dermot in his 50s, Winona in her 40s, John Gallagher Jr. in his 30s, and then Owen Teague and Brianne Chu in their 20s to really kind of place the movie within these lifespans without having to talk about it directly. And you actually reunited Winona with Dermot. Yeah, exactly. They had been in How to Make an American Quilt in, I think, 1994 or something like that. Yeah. Nominated for Best Kiss, no less. MTV Movie Awards, yeah. They lost to uh, like an inter-species, uh, the movie Species, where Nat Natasha Hentridge is an alien. She kisses someone that beat them. Well, they don't kiss in this. <laughs> they come close. They come close. I have, to, age kiss. <laughs> I have to tell you, for my money, Winona Ryder, it's the best actor who can convey fear like no one else. Her face is just so ex expressive and she's so present in everything she does, yeah. And this was like your very first feature, yeah? So how intimidating is that? It's pretty intimidating. I mean, I definitely Googled how to direct. No, you didn't. I definitely did. I would read, read directing for dummies. I read a lot of books, talked to a lot of other people who had done it. You know, because I came to this, you know, relatively late. I was doing editing and designing and writing books for like 15 or 20 years before I stumbled into it through Homecoming. So, um... Yeah, everything was, was very new to me and very, very exciting. But luckily I had this amazing crew around me. So, you know, in some ways the director can be the easiest job. You're sitting there and everyone else is having to do all the dirty work. So that's what really made it possible. Yeah. So I have to know, Eli, about some of the snafus that happened. I mean, every day is a snafu. You know, on <laughs> an indie movie, every day is just, just survival. So mostly, I think I've mostly blocked them out. Because there were a lot, I mean, you know, you're just dealing with one thing or another, angry neighbors, poison oak, things falling, but it was generally pretty good. I mean, we had, again, we had this like really hardworking, really energetic crew. It was all during COVID, so we were in this little bubble. It was a good team. Nobody slept in the cabin, I would imagine. No, we slept in the cabin during prep. Me and David Boland, my DP, slept there during prep to really, you know, because that way we could plan it out. Yeah, that was so great about having it in my own space that we could just be like in advance. This would go here, this year we made old charts and, you know, we could really lock it down instead of having to figure it out every morning. Were there any scary moments that happened? Weird moments like that? I mean, there's some that I probably can't uh, talk about on camera, <laughs> but... Yes, we can. But no, there were, well, I'm trying not to do spoilers. You know, we spent three days in this very small, very hot space all together. <laughs> So that didn't really feel, feel that much like a film set. It felt just like that space. So um, that kind of created its own sort of dread that hopefully got funneled into the performance. And I want to ask you about some things that you've done in your career that might be true or not. Sure. Ready? Yeah. 
did you write science trivia questions? Yeah, they were science trivia questions based on the movies of the 90s. You know, like um, in uh, Armageddon, Steve Buscemi gets uh, space rage and shoots his uh, gun all over the moon. What would happen if you tried to shoot a gun in space? It was early days of the internet. It was very popular. The internet was very popular in 1999, 2000, 2001. And what, did, what were they used for? A site that never existed. It was going to be called thescience.com and it never launched. I mean, it wasn't my own thing. It was my first job out of college. Yeah, I have a lot of science trivia about men in black or lesser Billy Crystal movies. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we also talked about the fact that you were a carpenter. So what did you do with that? Well, you know, it, it keeps circling back. I wasn't very good at it. But then after that, I was volunteering to help build this tutoring center that then in San Francisco called 826 Valencia that became my job at this independent publisher, McSweeney's, that sort of was the next 10 years of my life that led to all this other stuff. And then also because of that is how I was able to buy this house that needed work and fix it up. So even this skill that I'm not very good at and seem like just a dalliance, you know, keeps sort of triggering other kinds of artistic endeavors. Yeah. Wow. So you really did come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and where are you living now? <laughs> I live in San Francisco. I'm not there right now, but I live in San Francisco. Yeah. Where are you now? Now I'm in Istanbul. Oh, cool. Yeah. We, you know, my wife and I, after being cooped up for, for two years, decided to finally just freak out and go somewhere. So we've, we've been here. I come back in a couple of days. That must be probably the most exotic vacation that you can take. It's a pretty good, I mean, you know, we were at the bazaar today and it was definitely like, it was bazaar. Yeah. There was a guy selling leeches that you put in your face. Yeah. It's been fun. <laughs> Talk about aging. Were those leeches for aging? I think they were probably for a whole variety of things. The sign was all in Turkish. So they're just pictures, but definitely on your face, on your eyelids. I mean, the other thing that Turkey and Istanbul specifically is I think like the global home of plastic surgery. It's really cheap here and people come from all over the world to get plastic surgery and hair transplant. So I've seen lots of people walking around with like big bandages in one place or another, you know, which is never something I really thought I wanted, but seeing it this much, it just, you start to think like, I mean, while I'm here, why not? Right. It's like a souvenir. It might inspire your next movie, Eli. Possible. That or the leeches. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your next project? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I feel like I've done sort of one of a lot of things. Now I sort of need to look back on all and think what I actually want to do. You know, I've just been trying things out. So now I don't know. We'll see. I'm open to any suggestions. All right. Well, thank you so much. Gone in the night. Elon Horowitz. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. He left me. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. To you. To you.